It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, on this edition of WJR's Healthy Woman Show, we're going to have some fun. Well, we're going to start by continuing talking about men's health and men's fertility, like I promised, but also how to have a fun Michigan summer. A great show coming up next. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Kowalczyk, this month in June, we're going to talk a little bit about men and men's health, and more importantly, men's fertility. And that's an issue that you know an awful lot about. So let's talk first a little bit about men's fertility. Is this, is this a big deal for men? Well, Anne, thank you for letting me continue this series because remember, uh, Fertility Awareness uh, Week was in April and I said that every month we would do a little segment. So, you know, last month in, in May, we did how to take care of and evaluate female fertility. So I thought it'd be appropriate for June with men's health to focus on the guys. And and absolutely, yes, 30 to 50% of the time, it's a problem with the guy when you're trying to do a fertility workup. So when you have a couple that's coming in with difficulty in conceiving, then you cannot blow off uh, evaluating the men because it's it's equally important to figure out if there's any problem with the sperm production, the number, and uh, and things like that. Thirty to fifty percent of the time, how shocked are the men and women to hear that figure? I mean, I find that surprising. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. And older GYNs uh, used to never or rarely check the sperm right in the beginning. So they would, you know, check the female and then they would try to get them pregnant. And then, oh, well, gee, maybe it's the guy's thing. Uh, and I think part of it is because of awareness back then, now way better. And people are very much recognizing that when you do a female workup, concurrently you do a male workup. Uh, one of the uh, falsehoods or myths is that if I've had kids before, I should be fine. So uh, I did a study years ago at Hutzel when I was a fellow and it was called this prior paternity predict fertility. And we looked at men who'd never had kids to men who had a lot of kids anywhere from zero to 10 years prior. And we found that the incidence of abnormalities in the sperm is is the same. So just because you had a kid before doesn't mean your sperm is fine. And we women have all the eggs in our life. Uh, you know, men are constantly making a new mix of sperm every 72 days. So how do we know if, if things have changed, age, environment, medical conditions, all of these things can be playing a role in male fertility. So if you've got a problem with diabetes, if you have a problem with high blood pressure, that can affect ejaculation, uh, erections, uh, the ability to make good sperm. Uh, if you have an environmental um, exposure, like marijuana, like smoking cigarettes, I think Dr. Dupree said there's a significant decrease in, in sperm production uh, when there is cigarette smoking. 
Uh, if you have a, a job where you are a truck driver, a, a bus driver, or you're in an area where there's constant exposure to high heat, that can affect uh, your sperm production. If you have a dilated vein in the testicle called a varicocele, 30% of guys will have that condition. And 30% of those guys, that vein is big enough to produce heat that can decrease sperm uh, parameters. So it's important that when you're looking for uh, treatment options, guys get tested sooner than later. So what type of a workup do they go through when they come to your office? So when they first present, we will get a history from them. So, you know, we'll get their age. We'll get how many children they had, if they've ever had children, when the last child was. We'll look for any kind of medical history, surgical history. Uh, we talked about some of the medical stuff, but surgically, if they had obviously a vasectomy or say they had a hernia repair as a child, um, we'll look for any medications they're on that could be decreasing their sperm parameters. Uh, social history, like smoking, drinking, drugs. Uh, family history of anything like that. Then we don't do exams on our guys. Uh, we let our male fertility doctors do that should they need a visit with them. Uh, but we usually will get a semen analysis and that involves giving a sample by masturbation at home, um, abstaining from sex or masturbation two to seven days and getting it to our office within an hour uh, of your appointment that you've scheduled. And if the sperm count looks beautiful, then we're ready to go uh, once we've evaluated uh, her and her structure. Um, but if there's an abnormal parameter, then you know we usually repeat the seam analysis probably five, six weeks later. The books say you need three of them because guys are constantly making sperm, but we'll do two. And then depending on those results, we'll decide treatment options uh, to see what's going to be best for um, them to be successful. Talk a little bit about how you want your guys to take good care of themselves, because that really matters with regard to fertility. Absolutely. And uh, in addition to, you know, making sure they get their annual, you know, checkups, guys are notoriously poor about getting medical care. And I don't know. And we as women have been ingrained in our heads that we need our breast exams. We need our mammograms. We need our uh, pap smears. And guys, it's like, nah, I don't know. I don't know what. And then there's this fear factor, you know, like, oh my gosh, if I don't find something wrong, then there ain't something wrong where there could be something wrong, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, getting a good medical checkup, make sure you're medically healthy, your weight. So, you know, guys, who, women who are overweight have problems with ovulation. Well, guys, when they're overweight, they can have a problem with their sperm production. And there's two kind of common theories. One is where do guys gain their weight, right? In their belly. And when they have this quote unquote belly or panis, it's sitting over the testicle, high heat. Okay, that whole relationship. And then there's more estrogen production in the fat cells. And that can be uh, help uh, maybe suppress your testosterone. Testosterone is important for sperm production. And when you're overweight, there's increased inflammation, which Dr. Dupree talked about in a previous segment, which could affect sperm parameters. So how do you talk to guys in our audience who might be, I don't know, a little bit nervous about getting involved in this whole process? What can you say to them to make them feel comfortable with this? Oh, absolutely. You know what? 90% of the time we can find a reason for the problem with fertility. And over 90% of the time we can find a treatment option. So don't be afraid. You're part of the team. Uh, depending on what we find, you know, we can give you um, antioxidants, which are 
vitamin supplements. We could have you see a male fertility specialist who will do hormone workup and maybe an ultrasound on you uh, to make sure there's none of these structural things or hormone problems. Uh, we could do insemination, which is guys, you're still going to have a lot of sex, promise. They all, all the men love me when I say that. But um, insemination is taking the sperm and putting it into the uterus around ovulation. We might need to do IVF. And you know what? With IVF, with low sperm counts, my embryologist, Michael Kirk, who's fabulous, you know, can take, look under the microscope and find your best sperm to fertilize the eggs. So, you know, there's lots and lots of choices and it has nothing to do with your ability, you know, your, your ability to have a baby, masculinity or anything like that. And I have to tell you, Anne, I'm really proud of the guys I see because they are so invested. I mean, they are like, what can I do? How can I make it better? They love their partner and they want their partner to be okay. That's the main thing with whatever treatments she wants the baby. He wants his wife or partner being fine, um, but they're very invested and I'm very proud of our guys. So we know that age plays a role in female infertility. Does age play a role in male infertility? And yes, it does. So mm -hmm. later though, and so that's why Michael Douglas got Catherine Zeta-Jones when he was like 60 and she was 30. But we do know that men's fertility and sperm counts decline with age. There also is an association when you're in your late four, starting in your late 40s, early 50s, that mm -hmm. there could be a higher association of genetic abnormalities of the embryos, uh, other conditions, birth defects, and childhood leukemias. Uh, so it's something to be aware of. We don't have a lot of data about the percentage of those issues or problems because back in the day, not a lot of our dads were in that age category. But let me tell you, Anne, we're seeing more and more mid 40s, yeah. late 40 women, late 40, mid 50 guys coming in to have babies. And our oldest dad, I think, <laughs> is like late 60s that is, you know, they're on their next second marriage and, you know, they want to have a family together. So we're seeing it more and more often uh, to decide, you know, how to help these couples. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about with regard to male fertility, Dr. Carroll? I think that they need to appreciate that the sooner they come to see us, the better, because if they have this definition, under age 35, a year of trying, over age 35, six months of trying, over age 40 yesterday, the sooner we can do this workup, which takes literally a menstrual cycle to do, the more options I have to help them, the quicker they can see the male fertility specialist if need be to get that family to happen. Such great advice. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. When we come back, we are going to change the subject and we're going to talk a little bit about traveling this summer in the great state of Michigan. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show and Dr. Carol, we continue the conversation now with Odie McKinley of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. And Odie is here to bring a smile to our faces by talking about summer travel in Michigan. Odie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be able to be chatting with you this morning. So Odie, where should we go this summer? Where do you recommend we travel in the state of Michigan? Oh, good Lord. It's easier to say where not to go. So, um, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> Michigan is just such a playground for, for Michigan-based travelers, as well as 
uh, regional, national, and, and international travelers. And it's all about what is it you're interested in doing this year. You know, we all um, we all love Mackinac Island. Uh, this year, kind of before the major, major tourism season starts, you know, just this past Friday, kicked off the Lilac Festival, which is just an incredible week of events, all uh, all about the island and the uniqueness and history of, of the island. Um, and certainly, lilac flowers are beautiful and they just smell fantastic. But while you're up there, um, you know, all of the bike riding and hiking, there's golf available. Um and that's if you're looking to get up north. But let's not forget about some of the some of the great things happening in our cities. Detroit. I mean, you look at the Detroit Riverfront. Um, the options there are just unlimited. You know, some of the funner, more interesting things is there's a Motown Roller Club meetup. Now, at the first Tuesday of each month, there's a group of roller skaters that meet and cruise up and down the riverfront. Like, what a great way to to enjoy downtown um and there's also yoga available uh at millican state park um again just with the backdrop of uh the detroit river and the detroit skyline just a, a great place to uh be able to have some fun and then go over to eastern market and grab a great bite to eat um you know and grand rapids is the same whether it's a concert at meyer gardens or uh, the concert series at caledonia community green park um, our cities are great places to go. And, and with people maybe looking at the, the gas pumps a little differently this summer, uh, being able to, to stay local, vacation, if you will, um, get out and explore the communities nearby where you live. If, the, if uh, maybe a, a weekend road trip isn't something that uh, isn't, isn't something you're looking to do. I can't forget, I have to be with, I'm a thumb girl, so Cheeseburger in Caseville is one in, uh, everyone's been always looking forward to, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of June, there's Rib Fest uh, up in the thumb in the Caseville area, so if you are, I've got a hanking for ribs, uh, you know, June is country cooking month, so that might be a good opportunity to get some skills with regard to uh, the, uh, the, the, the barbecue, too. And of course, what oh, City, yes. Sleeping Bear Dunes, Frankenmuth. I mean, I can think of so many things growing up uh, or when we had little kids that it would be like, it was too crazy to do long trips and cars and the flights were nuts. But um, those are so many things that Michigan is, is well known for in such a variety, right, Odie? Oh, absolutely. You know, speaking of cheeseburgers in Caseville, I grew up in Au Gray, so that was a quick boat ride over to enjoy some cheeseburgers on the, uh, in, in Caseville. So many fond memories of that experience. Um, but, you know, the Thumb is one of the areas that generally isn't thought of as a major tourism destination, but there are some incredible cities, communities, um, small towns, you know, and also you look in the northeast part of the state, Alpena. Uh, Skoda, Tawas, just so many options. Um, and if a road trip is your thing and you're looking to get out, you know, Michigan boasts over 120 lighthouses across that are that are dotted across Michigan's 3,300 miles of freshwater coastlines. So no matter where you're looking to go, um, be it far or be it near, we've got uh, a plethora of opportunities. And, you know, we always say, your trip begins at Michigan.org, where we have event planners, road trip ideas, um, 
activities, just just a, a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of resources for those looking to do some traveling this summer. And you know what? The Grand Haven, Sagatok, South Haven, Holland, I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, was it Sagatok that updated some of their boutique hotels? And and that's a fabulous yeah. part of Michigan, that, that Western part of the state, I think is really becoming popular, not only for Michigan, but I know a lot of people from Chicago, Wisconsin, kind of do that little loop uh, to get over to that West side of the state. Absolutely. The Southwest, the Southwest corner, the South shore of Michigan is, we all know the incredible communities that dot that, that shoreline. Um, and again, that, that is a great point. You know, folks coming uh, from Chicago, that's a really quick, easy road trip uh, to get into some of these great communities. Um, and then certainly from Wisconsin, taking the ferry across into Lettington and, um, you know, opening up the Western shore to some of our uh, counterparts in different different states in the in the region um, r- really is a is an influx to the tourism industry here in the state. And I got to tell you, with the gas prices, I was driving into work. The average gas price right now is forty nine a gallon in Michigan, five oh nine. I was on the corner. I made a corner uh, turn five nineteen. Are you kidding me? You know, like where where are we going? You know, what are we going to do with all of this? And and so even. You know, I'm almost thinking even in your own community, you know, whether it's walking in your neighborhood, having a picnic in your local park, uh, you know, if you're by the water doing some kayaking, uh, you know, there's a lot of places that are doing movies in the park now that's local. Uh, You know, I guess, you know, I don't know about you guys, but we're thinking we need to be creative, you know, until this whole gas situation gets better to decide to have some fun at local beaches. I mean, there's just, yeah, I mean, even in your own backyard, there could be maybe some fun things with family barbecues or maybe neighborhood street parties. I mean, getting creative, you know, to save uh, save the dollar at the pump uh, is what, you know, our, our family's thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th- there's no doubt that fuel prices are hitting Michigander's wallet. And But, you know, we're not seeing people stop traveling. We're seeing mm-hmm. people adjust the way they do it. And, you know, you mentioned th- that sense of community. Right. I think over the past couple of years, that's really been brought to the forefront where people are looking to support small businesses, to support the businesses in their community. And um, and, and, and again, as I said that we all use it too often, but the word staycation and just being able to get out, meet with friends and family. And that's really the core essence of travel is to be able to get those experiences. And, you know, maybe some of those longer, longer out-of-state road trips stay in-state. And that's fantastic, supporting those small businesses in, in either your hometowns or, or your travel destinations. And, Odie, we heard that if people are planning on traveling throughout the state of Michigan, that they better make their reservations now because hotels are already really filling up. Well, you know, that, that's a great point. And we're, we continually re- remind people to not only plan your vacation, but plan your events as well. And if that's, if you're, if, if it's golfing or uh, camping, renting a campsite, um, getting out, getting hotel rooms, even reservations at dinners, um, you know, restaurants have modified the way in which their hours are. And so we always recommend calling ahead as well, just to make sure that um, you know, the, the maybe a restaurant has limited hours or limited days 
Um, so just to make sure that uh, all the things you want to do, you can do. Um, just a quick couple phone calls to confirm uh, availability is, is always something we recommend because um, there are a lot more people, again, touring within the state and, and being able to, to make sure you're going to get uh, what you're hoping to get uh, is pretty easy just by making a couple phone calls. William McKinley of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, thank you for traveling with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic week and a wonderful, wonderful summer season. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. Coming up next, we're going to talk about something we really, really love, ice cream. We'll be back right after this. listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, June is National Dairy Month. And I cannot think of a better person to talk to than Joe Kinville of Guernsey Farms Dairy. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Joe, you've got a great story to tell for the state of Michigan, for our listeners, about Guernsey. Kind of give us the history of this wonderful family business. Sure, sure. Thank you. So um, in May, we celebrated 82 years of being family-owned and operated. Wow. Um, it was, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it was uh, it was my grandpa who had started the dairy back in 1940. The original location was in downtown Northville, just a couple miles away from where we are today. Um, we moved to where we are today in 1966 and have added on several times since, but uh, very much family owned and operated. My grandparents had 14 kids. Wow. All 14 of them were a part of the business at some point. Today, my mom, who is the youngest of the 14, is the only one of that generation that's still left working in the business. Um, so yeah, 14 kids, my the story kind of goes, my grandpa needed a workforce, so they kept having kids. <laughs> so yeah, very much family owned and operated. It's now, like I say, my mom and then 10 or 11 of my cousins and my brother that, uh, that work here. And we got about 82 employees as of today. Um, so 82 years of business, 82, 82 employees. Um, so we're proud to be here, proud to serve the community, proud to be a good, uh, part of Southeast Michigan and really not even Southeast Michigan anymore. Our products are available across the whole state. Um, they're up on Mackinac Island at the policy conference last week. I had heard Paul was had some of our ice cream. Yes, um, he did. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're proud to continue to grow and uh, ready to be here and help serving good quality dairy products. What is your favorite part about working at Guernsey? Uh, and what is your most frustrating? That has got to be an amazing business, and you're working with family. Yeah, yeah. So we're the, uh, very, very the the easiest thing um, and best thing about working here. So it's very easy to say what our favorite thing about working here is, and it's um, if you've ever been to our location, we have a 250 year old, probably 300 year old, big oak tree right out front. And surrounding it is a bunch of giant boulders that when they dug the original foundation for the building, those boulders were here on the property. And my grandpa had them scooch them over by that tree. So well, you can come to the dairy and you sit outside and sit on the rocks, eat your ice cream cone under the tree. It's kind of like the tradition. People have been doing that for generations. So just not too long ago, I saw 
a little boy eating an ice cream cone on the rock with his dad and his grandpa. And his grandpa was eating an ice cream cone on the same rock when he was the age of the little boy. So that type of generational story that we have and to be a part of so many generations is really cool. So um, the good definitely outweighs the bad. I I don't have anything bad to say. I mean, obviously things are frustrating, but when we get to see stuff like that, uh, that makes it all worth it. Wow. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? You know what? Um, It changes every so often because we have 71 flavors and they're all pretty good. Um, right now I'm kind of stuck on tilt swirl So tilt swirl is, it's the official ice cream of the Michigan state fair. So the state fair moved to the suburban show place right down the street from, from the dairy. So we're a big sponsor of the fair. We do the endless chocolate milk up there. And then we had uh, created an ice cream flavor for them. So it's a white chocolate base with a raspberry swirl and dark chocolate chips. Oh my. So I'm, I'm hung up on that right now, but uh, like I say, it changes regularly. It was, it was butter pecan a month before that. It was something the month before that, but uh, yeah, right now tilt the swirl has kind of got me hooked. Oh yeah. And what's your favorite? Oh, I love all kinds of ice cream. I like peppermint. I would say peppermint is my favorite ice cream. What about you, Carol? The darkest chocolate possible and add fudge, syrup, chocolate chips, and more chocolate. That would be mine. We, we, got, a, we got a couple of those for you. I got a couple of good options. <laughs> so what's the most popular product? I mean, you've got so many great products. You've got chocolate milk, lemonade, ice cream, regular milk. What, what do people come to Guernsey for, Joe Kinbell? Um, so on the dairy side, our buttermilk is... Mm is pretty sought after it's coveted it's a it's a full fat buttermilk whereas a lot of the other ones that are on the shelf are are a skim so in kitchens with cooking and baking and kind of most specifically making ranch dressing um so our buttermilk gets shipped to about 21 different states and we do we do about twelve thousand gallons of buttermilk a week wow Um, so buttermilk super popular right behind it is our chocolate milk uh, we make a ton of chocolate milk. In 2013, we won the world's best chocolate milk award at the the World Dairy Expo, which is held every year in Madison, Wisconsin. So we got we got a really good chocolate milk also. So the so the buttermilk and chocolate milk are kind of neck and neck for the for the uh, the top spot there. But really, all of our fluid white milk also sells like crazy. Our, our gallons, if homogenized, uh, we can't make enough of them right now. Um, they're, they're flying off the shelf. And then in the ice cream world, the, um, you know, we have 70, over 70 flavors of ice cream and we have to, because we got to have a diversified portfolio. We got to have something for everybody, but the top 10 sellers have been the top 10 sellers for my whole lifetime. And probably, you know, my longer than that. Um, so chocolate, vanilla, butter, pecan, moose tracks, black cherry, the, the staples, are the ones that stay at the top of the list every year. Wow. And, you know, we're talking about the dairy, but we need to talk about the chicken dinners. Oh, yeah. I mean, my sister took me to your place. I, I had no idea you guys could make chicken like that. Oh, yeah. Believable. I mean, yeah. crispy on the outside, juicy on the inside. 
perfect. It was like, oh my goodness, where is that ever going to go? Like uh, gangbusters, like your ice cream and milk, because that's that that hidden secret of that darn chicken. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe that's part of the plan down the road is another offsite Guernsey location. But it's it's pretty cool. So we have we have a store and restaurant and scoop shop that's in the same building that we make all of the dairy products. So you can come in the front door on a day when we're open, get a milkshake, sit down, and uh, right on the other side of the wall is where we processed all of that milk and made all the ice cream. And then in our restaurant, we've been known for roasted chicken in our restaurant for, for years and years and years. Um, and now we're, we're proud that we, we use our own buttermilk in the brine mm -hmm. to make the chicken even better. Again, I mean, buttermilk makes everything better. So, so yeah, we got, uh, we got a really good roasted chicken, Brian using our buttermilk and then a bunch of other good family staples, um, on the menu, uh, years ago, before we did the renovation, which we did in the beginning of 2020, right before the kind of pandemic hit and everything went a little crazy, we had already been closed for this renovation, but before the renovation, we had probably show you know, every, every bit of 70 items on our menu. It's kind of like a Coney Island type style menu. Um, but since the renovation, we've kind of changed our model and now we only have about 30 menu items. We want to be really good at this many things instead of okay at a lot of things, you know? So we're, we got uh, just about anything on the menu you're going to walk away being pretty satisfied with. Well, and, and I didn't know this, but your lemonade is the official lemonade of Mackinac Island and your ice cream is going to be the official ice cream of the Grand Hotel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah we're pretty excited about that. Um, you know, we've had we've had lemonade in our lineup for a lot of years, a long time, and um, it kind of didn't really make sense in our in our you know, lineup of products because we're a dairy. You know, why does Guernsey Farms Dairy make lemonade? Well, we do it because we make a really good one. <laughs> um, but as as we kind of continued to grow and um, talked about our plan to be here and how we're going to be able to be here for another 80 years, it's to develop good relationships with other Michigan mm -hmm. businesses. Um, so we had this lemonade, the Mackinac Island, the people at Mackinac Island that run the tourism bureau and everything I had met not too long ago. And we started talking about making our lemonade the official lemonade of Mackinac Island. I think I think having that partnership and relationship with the island um, and a company like us, an 82-year-old family-owned dairy, is pretty cool. It's strong for for both for both companies and both people. So it's just a really good Michigan partnership. We're super happy to have it. And then, you know, so we got our products up to the island and then started meeting some of the hotel owners and the different uh, properties up there and started talking with the great people at the Grand Hotel and uh, yeah, I got our ice cream into Sadie's and you know, our, just about a lot of the places up there use our dairy products in the kitchens. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're happy. It's a long way to get it up there, but, uh, but it's fun. We're, we're, we're excited about it. Joe Kinville of Guernsey Farms Dairy, we salute you for continuing this fabulous family business. It's just uh, really impressive what you're doing, and we thank you for coming on today and talking about it. Yes, ma'am, no problem at all. Thank you, guys. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. The conversation continues in just a few minutes.
Dr. Carol, as we close out this edition of the show, we want to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other things going on for the month of June in and around the state of Michigan. And you've got a really impressive list of things that are happening around town. Well, you know, Ann, we've got to think about how great our state is. And and funny, June is a national month for a lot of things. Like a big one is, is National Pride Month. So there are so many activities happening in and around the state of Michigan and Grand Rapids, uh, Saginaw, everywhere. And the national, uh, the Motor City Pride is actually happening this weekend at Hart Plaza, June 11th and 12th. Uh, Gross Point Pride is the June 18th. And then Macomb Pride at Dodge Parks, June 26th. So uh, in honor of National Pride Month, there are several uh, parades and events to, to, uh, to celebrate there. Uh, I didn't realize it was National Zoo and Aquarium Month. So, I mean, gosh, what a great opportunity, a nice local thing to do to hit the Detroit Zoo, the Toledo Zoo. I mean, what a fun little day to just kind of hang out with the animals to enjoy that. Uh, National Camping Month is this month. So again, like Odie said, you know, get your reservations early, but how many beautiful campgrounds do we have around the, you know, state of Michigan? And I didn't realize, you know, there's the, even by Frankenmuth, I mean, there's a campground there, you know, you can hit Frankenmuth and have, you know, just hang out and have some beer and some chicken and, and enjoy a nice campground there. Uh, and also, of course, National Candy Month. Hello. So I think the Morley factory on Hall Road, I think they still have tours, but you know, get, get hit, hit, maybe do a candy quest uh, during the month of June and hit all these you know, local, local candy shops. So um, I gotta ask you, Ann, what's your favorite candy? I like Reese's peanut butter cups. What about you? I'm a dark chocolate girl again, man. I gotta have my Milky Way dark frozen. So it's like nice and chewy. Uh, that I like. And then those, you know, those recent, those chocolate, uh, dark chocolate caramel that'll break your teeth if they're frozen. Um, (laughs) So I kind of freeze those. Then I let them thaw just a little bit. And then uh, I'm I'm loving my my dark chocolate. Uh, But there's so many things that we can go have fun doing. Um, Any plans for you for the summer? Well, I really like the idea of, of a staycation, you know, kind of staying close to home and just coming up with, you know, activities you can do on the weekend that are close to home and you really don't have to travel that far. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. What about you? Well, you know, we're always the cheeseburger uh, in Caseville freaks. So we're going to have a bunch of family over, uh, you know, up north. Uh, we have a little place we're, we're building up there that uh, we're going to enjoy cheeseburger in Caseville. Could you so talk have- about that cheeseburger? Could you explain yeah. to our listeners how that cheeseburger really works? Isn't it like fried or it's it's quite the elaborate burger, isn't it? Well, well, let me tell you, it is. If you want to have a blast, and you are like a Margaritaville Jimmy Buffett kind of fan, uh, look it up. It's like the ten days in August, and it's over two weekends. There's a parade as uh, part of it. Everybody in the town makes a cheeseburger, right? And they put their own flair on this cheeseburger. And then there's this contest. So there's always the winning cheeseburger, the lines like a mile long, but they've had you know weird ones throughout the years with different themes. And uh, it's really, everyone's into it. 
And then there's um, concerts that are all, you know, Jimmy Buffett themed, uh, you know, Margaritaville, and there are a ton of events. There's cardboard boat races. I'm proud to tell you, my husband is the king. He has been the king for his age group, the winner of the cardboard boat races uh, for years. All my kids go in it and you make a cardboard boat with cardboard and duct tape what? and that's it and that it's hilarious and so you float all, around in this oh yeah there's a race there's a there's a race and and everyone watches it and it goes from little kids all the way to seniors like my husband and then there's one group that always every year makes this amazing huge float that they invite all the kids to go down and one time it was a pirate ship the next time it was a taxi then it was a school bus then there's sandcastle contests and and then there's fireworks. So, I mean, it's a local thing that is just a absolute blast. So, I mean, I'm doing that and then I'm going to figure out how to kayak uh, without getting nauseous this summer. Um, <laughs> that's going to be happening in my house, uh, in my area. So, yeah, we're just planning on doing a lot of staycation, barbecues, hanging out. Um, just doing a lot of park stuff and having fun. You know what the moral of this story is, though? You don't have to go far to have a great time and fun with the family. You just don't. You can right. stay close to home and you'll still have a blast and a really nice summer. I agree. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas, and we hope you have a great day. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.